This is an interview with Leather Bitch on Sunday, October 18th, 2020 by Nick Perkel. Now, um, can you each tell me how you got your first instrument? Court, you want to start? Sure. Um, my first instrument, well, my first instrument ever was the clarinet. And then I started listening to Metallica when I was, I don't know, 12 or something, and then immediately wanted to start playing electric guitar. So I got into that. And then somehow I became a bass player. And that's pretty much it. Cool story. <laughs> yeah, who's next? <laughs> so, yeah, so. Uh, well, uh, I sang in choir in middle school, shocker. And uh, <laughs> I was a little choir kid. In my uh, early 20s, I did some minor opera training and some traditional jazz vocal training. And uh, I did that for a few years. Uh, in my early 20s, and I decided that I wanted to be a singer after I heard Pantera's Projects in the Jungle. I literally just wanted to be Terry Glaze, and after I heard that, it basically solidified everything in my mind, and I pretty much haven't stopped since. That was around when I was about 18 years old. Now, did you ever take any um, lessons with private instructors, or tell me what your time was like yeah. uh, when you are going through that? Um, well, <laughs> well, I started, uh, how did I, I started getting vocal training when I was 21 years old and, uh, I just did that with like a, I, it was just a small private, he was a vocal, he was a vocal and guitar teacher. He really wasn't much of a singer, but he taught me a lot of the basic, uh, technique. And then after that, I moved on to an opera coach and, uh, he was hella weird, so it didn't really work out that well between us. We had, like, a really weird energy going, but he really just started forcing things into my head, really got my, my <laughs> the wheels in my head turning. And then after that, I started seeing uh, – her name is Carolina, Carolina Matus. She's, like, a traditional jazz vocalist that graduated from University of Las Vegas in vocal uh, anatomy or whatever. And uh, I started seeing her for a few years, but – uh, to anybody that's just starting, vocal, private vocal instructors are very expensive and time-consuming. Yeah, it just it got to be too much money for me in my early 20s. I was barely I was living paycheck to paycheck, so I took a lot of uh, the groundwork from her, and it, it's been implemented into my technique later in life. But yeah, it was it was fun and weird. It was cool. Uh, I guess uh, moving on, Pat. Yep. Um... I started playing guitar because uh, I found my dad's guitar in his closet when I was snooping around. And then uh, I didn't know how to play it. Nope. Then I did <laughs> a little collection. <laughs> and, <laughs> I didn't find anything. Just the guitar. <laughs> and, uh, and then I didn't really know what to do with it until I saw a kiss on Headbanger's Ball years ago. And it was like a, a weird rerun thing. And, like, and I was like, oh, I want to be like Ace Freely. That was pretty much it. I just got obsessed with Kiss and tried to be like Ace Freely. Nice. <laughs> right. I mean, I didn't take any lessons. I just pretty much just watched Kiss videos every single day until I learned how to play. Still do. Still do. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, Rand? He's actually oh, not yeah. in attendance. He's, He's not here. <laughs> oh, nuts. Not everyone else, though. What about Alex? Yeah, I'm here. Um, my first instrument was actually the cello. Um, 
I started playing cello in school. And I did that for, I think, two or three years. Um, but then I decided that I really, really wanted to be Randy Rhodes or Eddie Van Halen. And so I got my first guitar when I was probably 12 years old. Um, my, my mom was very nice and uh, allowed me to get a cheap little Strat copy that I kind of banged around on for a while. And um, I did take lessons at first. Uh, I took lessons for a couple of years under uh, a couple of different teachers. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of went on from there. And I started, uh, I started playing in bands when I was in uh, junior high school <laughs> and uh, had a couple of bands in high school, uh, a couple of bands after that and uh, all through my 20s. And, uh, yeah, just kept doing it ever since. How did you guys come together to form Leather Bitch? Well, you know. you, okay. <laughs> so um, I was in a band called Voltanic. We were based in the Pacific Northwest. Patrick was in a band called Slut Vomit, also based in the Northwest. Um, Patrick parted ways with Slut Vomit, and I was still in my band Voltanic. We just put out an EP, and uh, we were looking for an additional guitarist to add to our lineup. And Patrick saw our Craigslist ad on the music classifieds and he listened to our EP and he's like, well, I'm not at all interested in joining your band, but <laughs> I was curious if your singer was interested in a side project. <laughs> and he just messages me and he asked me that. And I'm like, I don't know, dude, I just put out a, a record. Like I'm probably good, but like, maybe I kind of wasn't down at first when he first hit me up. And then time went by and I was getting more and more dissatisfied with what I was doing musically. And I hit Patrick up again, and he's just like, yeah, I'm still looking for a singer, but we're based in Portland now. Are you still down? I'm like, no, not at all. I, I'm not trying to move for a band. And then he said these magic words to me, and I'll never forget. He told me, you want to know something? I've driven farther for less. <laughs> and that just, like, stuck in my head forever. And I was just like, what if I just need to, like, uproot myself, move to Portland, start all over? Maybe then I'll get what I want out of music. And that turned out to be... The best decision I ever made, Patrick and I got together, we established the groundwork for the band, and we recruited the rest of the guys. For a long time, we were driving from the Olympia area to Portland every weekend, and we were just doing that constantly. Eventually, we moved to Portland, and pretty much everything just kind of followed after that. It's been a crazy ride since. Now, what do you take more influence from, glam metal or Swedish sleaze metal? Um, Swedish sleaze metal. Uh, I mean, porno grind all the way. Porno <laughs> grind. We take influences from uh, the Detroit scene from the eighties. Yeah, it's it's definitely there's glam in there, but like a lot of people overlook the Detroit part of it because Los Angeles is all like cocaine and titties. You know, let's party, let's party. But like the Detroit glam scene at the time was a little more serious. It was a little more dark, and it dealt with more real life experiences and stuff like that. So. We kind of liked it a little more because it's a little more rugged around the edges. Bands like uh, Halloween, Seduce, uh, The Almighty Strut, stuff like that. They're just like a different brand of glam metal that wasn't so commercial. Okay, good. Now, uh, what would you say were some of your all-time favorite albums from that era? Mm, oh, I mean, that's hard to say. I think uh, collectively we all really like... Uh, uh, pretty much yeah. all the loudness discography, like from Disillusion up, pretty much. 
pretty much everything they've done. Uh, obviously, there's like the really popular ones that we all like, you know, like the Molly Crew, the Rat, stuff like that. But then like uh, Halloween is a really big one for us. Um, Bitch, the list goes on and on. TKO. That's just to name a few. What was going on with you guys when you composed uh, the 2018 EP? What was going on? (laughs) A lot of things were going on. Um, We kind of just, we were a new band. We weren't really sure how people were going to react to us. We kind of just did everything on a limb. Uh, We've been practicing these songs forever, and we just kind of just went to the studio and just kind of like, we weren't really sure what to expect. And uh, we all just kind of laid it all down. We did it all really fast the response was kind of overwhelming. We didn't think that people would actually enjoy it that much or that another like record label would want to work with us or anything like that. So we kind of went in there not knowing what to expect at all. So we were very clueless, but we, we still at the same time felt very confident in our material. So it turned out better than we expected. That's for sure. Now, tell me uh, about your memories about writing into the night. Do we have to? You want like the good story? (laughs) A lot more bad than good. Yeah, into the night wasn't like it wasn't an ideal situation for us. Um, For those of us that have been following us for a while, we've had several lineup changes. Uh, We were having we were experiencing lineup changes while we were recording that album, so there was a lot of tension in the band when we recorded that and a lot of uh, bad energy. But we uh, we took every shred of good from every moment we could and just rolled with it. So. Yeah, in that album, you'll hear a lot of... Uh, yeah, we wrote it in three months, too. Yeah, the album, wrote, we wrote it in three months. As soon as High Roller was trying to work with us, they wanted us to give them an album within, I think it was like four or five months, they wanted a new album, and we told them that we needed a little bit of an extension, so they added a couple more months onto that. And frankly, we could have used a lot more time, but I mean, that's kind of just how the recording industry works it's like hurry up and put out a new album kind of thing so it was an interesting time for us but i mean in the end we got some some tracks that we're pretty happy with so now uh what label are you on now uh we're not really on a label right now we uh we signed a contract with high roller for just one album and uh we fulfilled our one album contract with them. So currently we're not actually affiliated with any labels. I mean, of course they own all the rights to into the night till like 2022 or whatever. But other than that, we're not actually strapped to any label right now. The stuff we're recording right now is going to be just uh, independently released. Now, can you tell me how the song lust came together? How did that come together, Pat? Uh, I wrote it in my room in like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two days before we recorded it. Yeah, I wrote the lyrics to that in the Jack in the Box parking lot <laughs> <laughs> on my break at work, literally, because we were all just so fucking busy. So I was like cramming in writing sessions on my lunch breaks at work and all kinds of stuff. It's crazy the things you do when you don't have a lot of time. Like times you'd usually spend relaxing, you're just like with pen, pen and paper writing lyrics down and. Yeah, very organic start to that song. <laughs> now, I really loved uh, Slee City's usage of arpeggio. Uh, what was this song like to write? That song actually is an old, it almost ended up on our first release, the self-titled EP. We just finished writing it right as we were about to head to the studio. 
but we decided to like hold off on that one because we didn't want to like jump the gun. But I don't even know how that song started. It just uh, it, it started. It was a different. I think it was a little slower than like uh, we were. We we worked it a bunch and like Sebastian had it where it was like kind of like just arpeggios. It was kind of more it felt like more like a a guitar only kind of song. And I mean we worked it to be like have be more comfortable for vocals and everything else. And then like. He did the arpeggio solo and like you know came out pretty good and I, I did the rest now i guess just out of curiosity do any of you have any favorite movie soundtracks or scores that really influenced your songwriting style oh the first nightmare on elm street score by charles bernstein is fucking amazing and i listen to it religiously that's just me personally <laughs> I would say anything John Carpenter did. Yeah, John Carpenter is a good one. The Fog is one of my favorite, like, spooky intro thing scores of all time. Hans Zimmer did some good stuff. Like, I really like uh, Gladiator soundtrack and score. I listen to that from time to time. Oh, and also the Mac and Me soundtrack. Definitely. Literally. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. Like, that, sh- that shit is religion to me. If you guys haven't listened to the Mac and Me soundtrack, it's lit. I'll have to revisit that one. Yeah. Now, I guess what kinds of cool things are you doing when it comes to the writing of the next album well I think that we're uh, well we're actually writing them and then not without the pressure of like of a time limit we've been taking our time with it and like we're, so, we're like more than a half an album ready to go and like we got, we're gonna write a couple more songs but we're pretty happy with all of them they're like much, they're way way darker compared to the other stuff we did absolutely yeah i think on our last record our last record we were trying to really like push that glam sound a nasty reputation was a huge fan favorite for us at live shows so me and pat were just like okay well if that's what they like let's make let's base the whole album around that kind of energy and we did that and like i think that maybe it might have not been the best route for us because i think that people really want us to just do a bunch of like leather and lies shit all the time which is cool uh so I think that for this next record, we built up a lot of perspective and we're, we've made these songs a lot darker and a lot more spooky <laughs> and a lot more just like in your face. There's no like, there's still a hint of glam, but like it's more on the, like more on the merciful fate side of things. Yeah, for sure. What would you say are your three favorite songs from the album? From Into the Night? No, no, the, the new one you're writing. I would say my, I, I can tell you my personal ones. I don't know what ours all are collectively. I'd say, well, right now we're recording too. We're actually in the studio right now on a break. We're recording a song called Morphina and a song called Shadow Mistress. So I'd say collectively, those are two really favorites. And then another one that I really like uh, is called The Dark Mirror. Uh, that's going to possibly be the opener on our full length album when we do that. But right now it's called The Dark Mirror. And it's just a really in-your-face kind of song. It just kind of fucking smacks you in the face. So I'd say those are our favorite three of our new material working on. It's going to be a lot more aggressive album, for sure. Yeah, a lot more anger involved in this album and less like, la-di-da, I'm high on coke. The new guys brought a lot of energy in. Yes, definitely. New lineup, new sound, new attitude. What kinds of cool things are you doing when it comes to the recording I mean, the writing of this next album. 
Well, I mean, I think Patrick Patrick laid down the groundwork. He he starts composing the riffs and everything like that. It usually starts with an idea that happens with him, and he presents that to us. And then Alex comes in and he adds some beautiful stuff in there, and they like they like make this beautiful harmony together with Court and Rand, and then I come in very last and. I, I compose all the melodies and the lyrics, and I'm kind of like the icing on, on the cake at the very end. Do you have any tips or tricks for assisting promoters to help you put on a really great show when you're playing at a venue for the first time? Um, Pizza? Yeah. <laughs> for promoters? Well, don't make us pay to play because we're too old for that shit now. Yeah. Um, Especially after the COVID thing, if it ever ends. Yeah, I think a lot of yeah. young bands get manipulated into thinking they should pay money to play on a particular platform, and I, I honestly don't think that's true. I think that's kind of greedy. Um, but as far as promoters go, I mean, spell the band's name right. There's been so many, <laughs> yeah. so many flyers. Like, I remember my, I was in a band called Children of Seraph, and uh, our very first show, they completely butchered the name on the flyer. And it's like, dude, I'm going to frame this, put it on my wall. Yeah, no, it's upsetting. No cheap Photoshop flyers. It, it looks like ass. No one's going to go see it. And then it's so painful. Make sure the sound guy isn't a complete dick. Like, <laughs> he needs to, like, listen to us. But, I mean, I guess that goes beyond the promoter. That's, like, the sound guy. But, yeah, I guess just be as... Uh, I don't know. Be as transparent as you possibly can be. Okay. Don't rip promoter. off fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the two drink ticket thing is absolute bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Make it at least four or five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> for each of you guys, and could you like put out your name before you say it? Please. Most hallowed musical possession. My most treasured musical possession is uh, I have a copy of uh, Jim Gillette's proud to be loud solo album it's not worth a lot but holy shit it's like one of the hardest records to find i swear to god so i'll die with that thing definitely what about you pat um i don't really have anything special i just got a lot of kiss records so i mean it's got a couple till tuesday records. a couple till tuesday actually my till tuesday records are probably my prize fit because they're hard as fuck to find yeah uh, definitely just my Kate Bush album collection and single yeah. collection. We're, we love Kate Bush in this band, just yeah. so you know. At least two of us. <laughs> At least two of us. <laughs> I guess mine is probably, I have this uh, this Japanese Rickenbacker copy that a friend of mine in Japan gifted me when my, my old band was touring over there a few years ago. Awesome. Who was that? That's Court. That's Court. That, that was Court speaking. Courtland Murphy. <laughs> wow, awesome. And I guess, was that everybody? Yeah. Yep. Now, um, I, I also have in here most treasured album in your music collection. But uh, most of you guys already said some albums. But um, Court, what about you? What is your most treasured album? Damn, that's... That's a good question. I think th- that actually also goes back to another gift that a Japanese person gave me. I'm a big fan of this uh, this old New Wave of British heavy metal band called Crucifixion. They have this uh, single that was on Neat Records called Green Eyes. And it's a super rare, super expensive if you can find it. And this dude just gave, gave it to me. 
Wow. Now, um, favorite urban legend or ghost story from Portland, Oregon? Probably Alex. We're all transplants. <laughs> I've like read about some. Okay, you know what? That... Actually, I got one. Give me I a favorite lines. urban legend guy from wherever you guys are from. <laughs> we do have one. Yeah. We do have one. So there's this guy named Nasty. Nasty, Nasty, Nasty Beep. I won't say his name. Uh, his name is, wait, his first name, Nasty. Last name, everybody. Starts with an N. And uh, he's a pretty notorious guy. So, like, he likes to go around and steal everyone's, every woman's underwear. And then secretly wear it and take pictures and send it to all the dudes. And, like, and then he asks for, like, everyone's girlfriends and nudes. And then he did this so much that he eventually got kicked out of the town. And then he, like, disappears, and that's when he becomes the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> and that's important content for you. It almost sounds like this guy might have recorded an album on Hell's Headbangers Records. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he Maybe he, may he did. Might not be wrong. I also have the, uh, the legend of uh, Brewster, who is another ghost who goes on tour with you and sends pictures of his balls to you when you least expect it at four in the morning. <laughs> He's a very scary ghost. <laughs> and I can't get rid of him. It's not a ghost, that's a demon. <laughs> Final words. Uh, uh, Leather Bitch has some new material coming in hot. Keep your eyes open, your ears open. And uh, 2020 may be a shitty as fuck year, but we're here trying to make the best of it. So hope y'all are doing the same. This has been an interview with Leather Bitch on October 18th, 2020 by Nick Perkel.